0: All right, what are we having, guys? A pint of canned pale ale, please.
1: Same, please. And half a pint
0: for me, please. Right,
1: right, I'll be right with you. We're here at the Watling in central London, partly because it's your birthday.
0: Thank you very much. And it's <laughs> partly an excuse to keep the economy alive.
1: Yep, definitely. But also partly because as we're launching a new podcast and the topic is beer, we thought it would probably be best to record it at a pub.
0: Always a good idea. Um, we're going to be taking you up the chain of brewing uh, from us here, consumers enjoying a pint, to Joe the landlord at the Forest Gate Inn in Epping, which is where I've been spending a lot of my summer.
2: It's like a big community as well, I suppose, the pub. All the, like, we have so many different regulars, you know, from all over Epping that come in and it's like everyone looks after each other and helps each other out, which is quite good.
1: And your brother Chris, who runs the food and drink and events at a golf course.
0: Very nice
3: one, Thaden boys. My beer showers are through the roof. Food sales are incredibly flat and the events side of the business is zero.
1: And up to Andy Wood, the chief executive of a brewery, my favourite brewery, Adnams.
3: My favourite too. There is going to be
4: a time when we can go back to going to pubs and enjoying uh, socialising with friends and family in the way that we used to. And we need our pubs to be available.
1: I'm Megan Boxall.
4: And I'm John Human, And this is Not Your Normal Finance Show.
2: My name is Joe. Um, I'm the manager of a pub called The Forest Gate Inn, which is in Epping, Essex, which is just outside London.
1: So, Joe runs the pub that you have rented pretty regularly since it was safe to do so. Sounds like a really nice pub.
2: It's
0: a lovely pub uh, on the outskirts of Epping Forest. Uh, it is a proper old country
2: pub.
1: Yeah, and yeah. As he actually said to you in your, in your little chat with him.
2: We do sort of do, we've got a big front garden, so we're real good in the summer for. People are coming and finishing country walks and outside of the forest. Uh, we do a bit of pub grub and stuff like that. Very uh, very simple, though, our menu. It's all about simple and homemade stuff. We've been
0: sitting in the beer garden, does a lot of Adnams beer, which we like. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a wonderful place to spend the summer.
1: As have a lot of the pubs that I've been to as well. And, I mean, I'm going to talk about it later when we hear from Andy Wood, the Dolphin Inn in Thorpe Ness, my personal favourite. And... I mean here at the Watling as well it's been great great to get back in the pub after several months of not being there
0: <laughs> indeed indeed in fact the Forest Gate was the first pub as I said to Joe where uh, where I went on July the 4th when on the pub reopened that fateful day where I also crashed my bike appallingly <laughs> but it's yeah it's been very very good to get back in a pub it's been good to see it busy
1: but yeah it's a it's a different time so back back to Joe to tell us what it's been like running a pub in after lockdown We've
2: been busy and we've done we've been very busy, especially like say with the weather being so good. I would say you're probably busier now on Monday night and Tuesday night than you were before. Maybe. The evenings have got, you know, a bit busier because people people are scared if it's gonna happen again, you see, so I think people are taking advantage of it, especially this week with it being nice again. Yeah. and um, people are taking advantage of the pubs being open at the moment, I think, and just, and just hoping it'll last. And I, I think pretty much we've not had obviously with the COVID um, with coronavirus, you've got all these new Like rules and regulations, and we've been pretty hot on it. And people, to be fair, I've I've not had anyone who sort of disagreed with what we're doing. No one sort of had a problem with it. Everyone just gets on with it. People are are a bit more cautious, you know, making sure they wash their hands and using the uh, hand sanitizer that you've got dotted about for everyone. And I think everyone's pretty much been really good about it, to be honest. We haven't had any... So I've read some stories about people having issues where people refusing to leave their track and trace, with their numbers and stuff like that. But we haven't had that, luckily. We've been quite lucky.
0: It has been managed, managed pretty well from uh, from what I've seen. Has it, has it cost you more to open a pub with these, these new restrictions?
2: Oh, 100%, yeah. It's cost us a lot more. So, since having to buy all the PPE, like the work equipment, the face mask, the, hat, uh, the gloves, the visors all the hand sanitizer, all the extra stuff we had to buy. And then when it, first opened, when it first happened, we had all the extra staff on because you had to have staff that was t- tracking, tracing everyone's names and numbers. We had to have then someone sitting people down. For the first all, six weeks, we probably had two or three extra people every shift than we would have normally had just because you had to put all these guidelines in and make sure people were doing what they were told.
0: Safety is something obviously of huge importance to the publicans and restaurateurs trying to get their establishments open again. You know, what we can and can't, should and shouldn't do, must and must not wear face masks or whatever it might be is really quite challenging, and especially so for those guys.
1: Yeah, and that's something that uh, I know your, your brother who you spoke to, as we said, he. He runs uh, runs catering at a golf club. He's, uh, he's had a real few real challenges with that.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been extraordinary. And I've watched them trying to get, get open again. And uh, yeah, the, the arguments amongst themselves over the interpretation of the rules have been a sight to behold.
1: Yeah, let's hear what Chris had to say about that.
0: So when, when you started to reopen, did you have any problems getting the club up to uh, the standards required of the law?
3: Was the guidance clear? The setup of the golf club was was easy for us in some respects because we've got a large space of room that's used for events so we could space tables out we could clearly mark the wooden floor with tape to, to guide people around it probably took us longer to try and work out what the government's document was trying to ask us to do than to actually implement it itself um it clear as mud is something that springs to mind
1: he's certainly not the only one with those criticisms here is Tim Martin talking to the Today program after his pub group Weatherspoons, hit headlines after six members of staff were diagnosed with the virus. It is worth saying that they've got over four thousand members of staff, so 66 is actually a normal number of virus cases among that kind of group.
0: Yeah, and you know you've got to remember these guys are also coming into contact with the general public all the time mm. as well. So I mean, it's
4: hardly a surprise. Mm-hmm. I think I think one of the problems is that um, the rules have become Byzantine and complicated I think that um, the uh, uh, the UK in a coronavirus problem needs to be like the Queen Mary crossing the Atlantic with just the odd touch at the tiller but what we're getting is different rules all the time it's like a speedboat in in uh, uh, in, in a competition and we're changing all the time I don't think anyone really understands the rules anymore and I think that it's a slightly chaotic rule myself apologies to the government but it just doesn't seem to me to make a lot of sense
1: that rule tim martin was referring to at the end there is of course the rule of six so i mean how do we feel about that
4: i don't really
0: understand it to be honest. <laughs> you know we talked about oh we heard tim martin talk about the byzantine rules actually getting pubs open you know, every single pub that I've been into seems to be adopting these rules in a slightly different way. I've seen some with full visors, you know, different different ordering systems. Uh, I've seen some with no face masks at all that don't seem to care. Um, some that that seem to put distancing over any other anything else. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, they're having trouble interpreting these rules. I don't understand the rule of six. <laughs> so also, the uh, the rule of six was introduced just in time for my birthday, but it's lucky I only have five friends.
1: <laughs> five. <laughs>
0: <Or> four. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really, really quite strange. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you come into a pub and there's, there's more than six people here. I have no idea who they are. We're trying to work out how we're going to have our pub quiz here in the Watling later Yeah, this I know.
1: We're going to have to book a number of different tables and pretend we don't know each other.
0: Yeah, we spend a lot of money in here. We spend a lot of money in, in pubs over the years on our, on our Christmas meals or whatever it might be. Events are, events are massive business for, for anyone in the hospitality industry. And, you know, that's been, that's been wiped out this year.
1: Yeah, so with Rules changing all the time and being hard to follow anyway. It is extremely difficult for pubs and other establishments that sell beer to, to plan for the future.
0: People have been coming off the course ordering lots of beer. How is trading
3: compared to last year? Uh, my beer sales are through the roof. Um, food sales are incredibly flat and the events side of the business is zero.
0: You must be worried, though, with new restrictions coming in, uh, the rule of six, and winter coming... Um, about where, where things go from here it's been a lovely summer, people have loved sitting outside but what happens when we go into to the colder wetter months and you've got to get everybody indoors?
3: Yeah, clearly yes but a, l- a large percentage of my, my regular customers will only sit outside they're, they're, they're slightly older, probably in a category where they're not necessarily at risk but at higher risk than most um, clearly the younger people get, the, the, the less this affects them, they'll be quite happy to sit in the clubhouse um, so undoubtedly, the cold cold weather is going to be a serious problem for the for the trade.
0: And how do you manage that out in terms of the outlook? I mean, you, you've obviously got to order ahead. You, you must be suffering from some uncertainty as to how you do that.
3: Well, during lockdown, we we threw away best part of two thousand pounds worth of beer and could only reclaim some of those due to the dates on on barrels and sort of quite strict time timescales that were imposed. So, obviously, we have to be quite cautious with our ordering, but, but at the same time, we, we don't be in a situation where we haven't got what people need at the moment because we're trying to take as much as we can now. Um, so, it's, it's, a, it's a real balancing act, for sure. So,
0: so you mentioned having to throw away £2,000 worth of beer. Were well, the breweries giving you much support um, with
3: wastage? As I said, some were some better than others, but I, I would say, in general, yes, we got support, but I actually go through a wholesaler primarily, so some of the products I don't buy directly from breweries, for example, and that makes the relationship with with the, those breweries a bit more uh, a bit trickier to try and get someone to speak to to get the deals done.
0: So, like my brother's business, uh, the Forest Gate, you know, it's not really an events type pub, but but they're having similar challenges gearing up for the winter. We're
2: quite well known for our real hours at, at the at the pub, the Forest Gate, in, um, and we normally have three hours on, so we're letting them run right out, and before we put another one on, because. We can't be, just in case you know, you do have a lockdown or something, you've got all these beers open that we've got to get rid of. It's um, it is quite scary, and we we are all been less. We just can't, kind of, we don't last time we had so many barrels in the cellar that all went out of date in the end that you can't, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So, we've just got to be clear, clever, careful, so you haven't got loads in the cellar if it goes into lockdown again.
0: Yeah, did you have to chuck a lot away then when uh, when when the first lockdown hit?
2: Oh, yeah, we. You're talking about probably 16 to 18 barrels worth wow. of beer, and that's a lot. That's a lot. But luckily, Adams and um, we had to of rid- us. Um, actually, pouring it all away, they gave you a system, and Adams actually did refund us the, the money.
0: That's good. I was going to ask, did you get a lot of support from the brewery? It sounds like sounds
2: like you did. Adams have been very good with um, with the whole lockdown. giving given us uh, money back for the beer and stuff. They've been really good on that. You can't um, can't actually fault them for that i mean,
0: are you in terms of uh you know what what happens next i mean it it must be a more difficult time for you as we sort of go into the winter uh the nights the nights draw in and and it all gets a bit colder because as you say you've got a big lovely garden there, but there's more restrictions about what you can do indoors What what were you thinking about how you handle that oh well,
2: it's, it's a very scary time for us our pub and probably most pubs to be honest, because most pubs don't generally have a big inside. Most pubs are quite small inside, generally, except unless they're a big chain pub. Um, now, in the in the winter normally, we'll have probably, say, anything from 80 to 100 people inside. You know, people sitting down, people standing up wall to wall. And at the moment, with the new guidelines, we can only fit about 30 or 38 people sitting down inside. That's all we're allowed to have inside. So, you know, on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be losing, well, we're losing 60% of our trades, you know. So it is very scary but We, are going to, we have got some um, gazebos outside. We're going to put some sides on. We're going to buy some electric burners, heaters. You never know, really, if they're going to work until you get them going and how cold it's going to be. If we could have a nice, mild winter, that would be really good.
0: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed.
2: Joe, that's absolutely
0: brilliant. Been a, been a, been a pleasure speaking to you. Brilliant, Tom. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. I'll see you down the
2: pub soon.
1: So we heard from Chris about the challenges in getting beer... And we heard Joe mention how good Adnams have been. So let's go one link higher up the chain and speak to the man who runs Adnams, Chief Executive Andy Wood, who I got on with very well, thanks to our shared love of Suffolk pubs. I was wondering how it felt for you as as the head of a big brewing company that day, that first day when Boris Johnson announced the closure of the pubs.
4: Well, it, um, of course, was quite a scary time, but we had already conditioned ourselves that this was likely to happen. So... Um, we had picked up that um, you know a lockdown was likely to happen at some point and we'd started daily briefings with the whole management team uh, both first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening before we went home but it was uh, about the 23rd when he finally announced that pubs were going to lock down and, and, and shut. We are collectively telling telling cafes, pubs, bars and restaurants to close tonight as soon as they reasonably can and not to open tomorrow. Um, and we were shuffling around doing all of that work and um, effectively 80% of our sales vaporised overnight.
1: So what was everybody do- doing during, especially those first few months where nothing was really open? And what what were you as a brewer doing with the oil? Well, we
4: we did have, uh, I I did say we lost 80% of our revenues overnight. Um, We did have 20% of our revenues coming through uh, sales to supermarkets and um, our own online sales. Mm -hmm. We chose, although funnily enough, um, off licenses, and and you'll know that we have admin stores, they were deemed to be... um, Essential food. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, and, and and the sales of uh, alcohol and consum- consumption at, at home, with our experience, uh, was was good. From our experience, I'm not sure it was um, great for people's livers. Uh, but um, we had we we chose to close our stores and we didn't open those till June. But we got such a massive hit on our website, for example, for um, home delivery, you know, up a thousand percent sales. And um, we, we have a fulfillment warehouse in the Midlands where our orders get captured and then sent off there. And they just couldn't cope. So we had to write code in our new IT system to divert orders from that warehouse back into our production warehouse here.
1: The shift online is certainly something that Adams was not alone in having to cope with. And he said that the company managed the transition remarkably quickly. And aside from being a brewer and a retailer, Adams also owns and operates pubs on a tented basis. Uh, it actually cancelled its rent for four months during the time that they had to be closed. And they have done a glide slope back to full rent, something that I'm sure a lot of their pubs really appreciated.
4: But also, in addition to that, You know, closing down pubs and hotels, you need to do that properly because if you don't take shower heads off, if you don't uh, clear out beer lines, if you don't clear out cellars, all of that stuff is there waiting for you when you do reopen. And you can't reopen because they've calcified and all of these sorts of things. So just making sure we shut the business down and mothboard it in a really considerate way. Um, thinking about when we did finally open.
1: And what about the actual brewing side? Obviously, there were quite a lot of videos, heartbreaking videos during lockdown, um, of beer just having to be washed away because it wasn't being consumed. Did you have to do that with any of your cakes?
4: Um, Well, obviously, we had to destroy beer that was um, in cellar. Um, But we had increased sales through supermarkets and online. So we didn't have to throw any product away. We sent it for bottling, for canning, um, and it was, was sold. And, and, you know, I cannot stress, we really struggled to keep up with demand um, mm. for packaged beer. Now, that was because it's sales to supermarkets. That's, at a, um, that's more costly for us to sell through the supermarket channel because they are big buyers. Um, so, uh, whilst, whilst sales were good... Um, it didn't replace the margin that we earned from serving the entree. But um, no, it was good. It was really
1: good. I assume you, pressed, you paused brewing during lockdown?
4: Uh, uh, only for bits of it, because okay. we still had to put Adam's Bitter in bottle, yeah. we still had to put Ghost Ship in bottle, we still put Broadside in bottle. So we were doing those. We just scaled it down. a
1: bit. Yeah, OK. And so then when it was time to scale up again... Uh, how? what's the process of getting, getting a brewery back up to full capacity? And
4: Well, we, we, we hadn't shut right down, so we were already ticking over. Mm. So it is about ramping up. But um, we were desperate, and through our own lobbying organisation, the British Beer and Pub Association, we were desperate to get clues from government when we mm, yeah, eased so that we could get that ramping up. The issue was making enough beer for stock and then understanding what demand was going Mm. to be, because we didn't know how many pubs were going to open. Yeah. So what what do you make and what do you put in barrels? (laughs) Um, Because you could. And that was that was a point of maximum danger for us, because we could have built lots of stock, millions of pounds worth of stock and pubs maybe only 10% of pubs opened, then we would have been into throwing beer away because cask beer in particular is a live product. So it is fermenting, it is uh, akin to a loaf of bread. And once you open it, of course, if you've not got much demand there, it falls away very quickly in terms of quality.
1: Uh, So beer is the topic we chose for this first newly launched podcast because it's one that is close to our hearts. But there is a non Trivial side to brewing and and to pubs. Um, firstly, economic.
0: Yeah, it's a big industry. It's a big industry. You know, these these pubs um, support a lot of jobs. They support jobs for, for for young people who are you know just getting on the on the working ladder. It's part of British culture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that's the other massive side of of the pub situation the social aspect the fact that it is actually an important place for people obviously <laughs> we say that as as beer lovers but a lot of people do do rely on the pub as a social hub and and villages in particular really rely on having that that center of of uh, of socializing and 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 creating jobs and and a place for people to go to and uh, and if that was lost because pubs go bust because of a pandemic because of lockdown that would be really awful
2: like a big community as well i suppose the pub all the like, we have so many different regulars you know from all over epping that come in and it's like everyone looks after each other and helps each other out which is quite good so if you ever like people come there if they've got a problem with something they know there's someone in there that can help them so it's quite nice like that as well we, we already
0: um were seeing lots of pubs uh shutting their sh- their uh, their doors because it's just a very difficult business to be in it has been for years and years the, you know, the number of pubs uh, has been falling uh, year after year after year and this you know the, the worries that this accelerates it that for many of these pubs there's no coming back from it I, I think this is important
1: mm. yeah I know I think it is important and so as we were here right now does Andy Wood
4: there will be life after Covid-19 it's going to go so. on for a bit yet yeah, but there is going to be a, a, a time when we can go back to going to pubs and enjoying uh, socializing with friends and family in the way that we used to mm. And we need our pubs to be available when yeah. that's because if you lose a, a village pub, if you lost something like the dolphin in Fort Ness, for example, it's kind of the hub.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know,
4: the butcher, the baker, the yeah. candlestick maker, they've all gone, the yeah. post office is gone. Yeah. The pub is often the last place standing. So yeah. If you lose that, there's a sort of social responsibility. Oh,
1: I completely agree. I think yeah, it would be such a shame for uh, like yeah, like you say, other social hubs have have gotten and in small villages in the countryside yeah. and actually even in the cities as well it's having a pub is a it's a nice place to be and there aren't Absolutely. really there isn't really anything else like it um exactly. we're so lucky yeah. in the uk to have that culture
4: i, I know it's it's brilliant isn't mm. it you know and you can get home after a hard day's work and you think oh i'll just pop down the pub for one and mm. you chat to someone that you maybe not chatted to before and it just gets you into a different headspace have something nice to drink, hopefully add them, <laughs> And, um, you know, it, it, it works, doesn't it? So yeah. we're very fortunate. So we have to look after that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it will die out.
1: Well, is your, um, your post-work pub, is that the Sol Bay Inn?
4: Uh, Sol Bay, Lord Nelson or um, Middleton Bell, which is quite near where I live. So, yes.
1: Brilliant. Right. Well, thanks very much. Good to speak to you. to you.
4: Thanks very much for listening to our
0: new Look podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you've got any more topics that you'd like us to discuss, we've got a new email address as well, Uh Get in touch. We would love to hear from you.
1: And look out for our other podcasts. We have introduced the John and Phil chat in the weekly Alpha podcasts. And we're giving you six months free so you can get a taste of what you can expect by becoming an Alpha subscriber.
0: And every Monday, we'll be publishing an interview with someone who matters to your money. This week, we've got leading economist John Kay. I listened to it today. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good interview from Mary. Thanks to Andy, Chris and Joe for contributing to this podcast and, and the Watling in, uh, in the city for wonderful hospitality as always. And thanks for listening.
0: Thank you.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.